Ah, uh, hello, my friends. Hello, my life warriors, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the Day In, Day Out podcast. Woo! Today on episode oh, 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 312 slash 13. I'm, I've kind of lost my way, but that's another story. Uh, I have Sean Robinson on the podcast. Yes, Sean is hmm, an electrician, a firefighter, as well as an author. How are you today, sir? How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on your show. I'm excited to be here. Ah, yeah, I have to ask. Like, you are, you have three distinct careers, plus you're a father as well. Who is Sean Robinson? Do you know? Uh, for a long time, uh, I thought I was that tough guy, had, to, had a, an image and a uh, reputation, if you will, to maintain. And, and until recently, I realized that while I was those things, I, I can do it a lot softer, I can be a lot better. So I think lately, I'm, I'm someone that's, that's learning and realizing that the person I thought I was wasn't defined, it was someone that I could mold into being a better version. Mm. And before you sort of came to this sort of epiphanal moment in your life, what did the what did you believe the person you were before that? Well, I think just overall very stubborn. I think mm. I think I just instead of acknowledging that maybe I was part of the problem, uh, I was just I kept telling myself this is just who I am. Quickly mm. before I, I acknowledged that I could work on changing something or handle a situation differently, be it at work or with my kids or just myself, I was, this is just who I am. And it was, it was a, it was a hard stop that I didn't have to work on anything because, you know, I just kept telling myself that. So, uh, until I got over that thought or realized that that was very toxic, did I accept the kinds of things that maybe were the most beneficial for me? Mm. So, toxic, didn't think you were the problem. When did you sort of like go, okay, you know what? There's something not quite right here uh, with myself. Well, I got to a point uh, in my typical routine. I found myself 320 pounds. Um, I was just feeling miserable, both mentally, physically, I was in this place with, with, you know, the construction and the firefighting and the, 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 t- the tough masculine environments that I worked in, work in where I just couldn't ask for help or I didn't feel like I could ask for help. And I had to be a man and toughen up and fix it myself. And, and getting to that point of being the most upset with my weight, how I felt, it was like, I knew I needed something to change and mm. thought I knew what I had to do, but just didn't know how to get started. And um, drinking alcohol and the, that, the, the snacking and everything that, that came with that environment for me, um, it just seemed like an easy first step. It seemed like something that I could just take, take the 30 days off dry January and be away from it long enough to, you know, get a bit healthier, lose some weight and, and feel better. So reaching that point and, and deciding to stop drinking alcohol from a place of, you know, healthier lifestyle and, and feeling better and better habits. Um, it, it was like, like the, the catalyst for change for me that if I can 
go to these situations and parties and functions and deal with my buddies that were giving me such a hard time not drinking, if I can deal with these things, like maybe I can be a person that listens to podcasts and reads self-help and listens to self-help books and, and just speaks out about stopping the things that are holding you back, like the thing that was holding me back. Yeah. Like with regard sort of connecting to your sort of book and everything like this, like, yes, alcohol is the one sort of, how can I say, like, escapist substance you can have which is socially acceptable if i told you let's go out and get some meth or we're gonna do meth in the park yeah it'll be kind of like you're gonna do what and yeah (laughs) pardon police officer you're gonna do what uh yeah but when it comes to drinking it's one of those things which is yeah it's been around so long it's that social lubricant and look trust me Living here in the UK, look, it's like, I'm like, like, yeah, there's there's four countries which are connected together under the United Kingdom, which do go a little bit hard at their drinking, <laughs> to say yep. the least. So, well, yeah. Coming from Canada, I know uh, we like to think we, we're big drinkers here as well. So it, it's definitely a situation and environment that, uh, that that's here also. Uh, growing growing up, my my parents were younger. They were twenty years old, married when when they had me, and I'm the oldest of three boys, two younger brothers, and and collectively we each knew how to mix a Ryan Coke or mixed drink when we were like eight or nine years old. So it was That's fun, right? It was like used for, isn't it? You're, you're helping, you're helping out. Yeah, but it was like that that environment of having, you know, it it set up for me at a young age. It just led to my older years where I felt like I had a good example of how I was supposed to be. And then, yeah, with all the the movies and videos and advertising and, and the marketing that uh, the alcohol companies put out, it is, it is definitely a social lubricant, but there's also like this pressure from, I think just society to, to play the game and, and consume. Yeah, I think it's also one of those things where when it comes to the old drink, depending which circles you're in, it's the way people help themselves to get comfortable in a sort of social circumstance where they might not be at their most comfortable as well. Mm-hmm. That's sort of bridging that gap. So, you know, yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky. So It is. But one thing I found, uh, a lot of that is just how we carry ourselves, right? I always mm-hmm. thought I needed that drink or two to loosen up. But nobody else knows that that's what you need or that might be what you need, right? That's us telling ourselves that. So if we change that to something else, and okay, you're not getting that, like, we call it buzz from it. But if you have something else, right, say it's just a drink of anything else, Mm. but you're telling yourself, like, once I have this soda water or once I have this Gatorade or whatever, you know, I'm just, I'm going to feel good in this scenario. It's like hyping yourself up without having to do it with drinks. It's like we socially tell ourselves you got to do a couple alcohol drinks to be better at whatever or be more loosened up. But really, you know, we can program ourselves to do that. Nobody else knows what we need to be comfortable. Just just we do. Mm, very true. Very true. So when, like, I take it you went January, dry January, and you went with that as the beginning. Yeah. 
So how did you not fall into back into old patterns? Because I have I have witnessed it myself and I've experienced it myself. When you have to, how can I say, withdraw from something which, let's just say, can be damaging, but I won't lie. Uh, some fun things have happened along the way. Uh, yeah. So, like, so like, oh, hey, you know what? That's the pro. Oh, this is the problem. And yeah, I'm so going to move on from that. Once, once I started to get into dry January, there was, mm. it was easy in the beginning because other people were doing it. Other people that had, you know, heavy drinking routines through like the summer and all, you know, we'll stop at the end of summer. All oh, Christmas is coming. We'll stop at Christmas. It was like once January came around, there was other people that were taking a break. And, mm. but by mid January, others around me were like, what? You're still going. You made it. You, you made it a couple of weeks. That's awesome. And I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't commit to two weeks. Like, I'm going to do this for the month. So as people started to fall mm. off doing their dry January thing, and I didn't do it for these people, right? This was for me, but I just found in the process there was others around me that, that were doing it. Um, I was the only one left by the end of January that, that in my circle that wasn't drinking. And I thought, like, I was starting to feel so much better. I'm not having any hangover mornings. I'm not, like, there was an element to not doing that for 30 days where I was like, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm done. So I, there's dry February. It's the short month. I thought I could get through this next month. It's, it's shorter than the last one. It would be easy. And it wasn't until about February that I started looking into other content. Like I work 45 minutes to an hour drive each way from my house. And that commute, I've always just filled with the same playlist music that, I used to have. And I, th I thought there's a better use of my time. And I didn't even know where to get started with podcasting and with, with audiobooks and everything else. And coming from a place of feeling like I had to fix it myself, not being able to ask for help, you know, very like rough construction environment where we're not talking about any of this stuff. And if you do, you're then a caricature on the bathroom porta potty wall. Hello. Yes, my friends, my life warriors, my apologies for that. My apologies to you, Sean. The problem, like, okay, I am ever trying to improve things for my podcast. And like with regards to Riverside, which I got, like we started this podcast with, it's meant to be a better program. But it's um, like, mm, I've, I've used it. I've done four podcast interviews with it so far. It's done, it's worked, it, when it works, it works really well and it gives a new level of functionality. But when it doesn't, it, it really, really just me <laughs> off. So yeah, now yeah. My, so let me apologize uh, for that, for to you, the audience, everyone for this, but we're, we're back on oh good old Zoom. Which, <laughs> let's just say it, it it's it's not the best, but it's like the little engine that could just gets the job done. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You like if I remember rightly, you before it went all scoop, like wonky, you mentioned you got through dry January and then you looked at February to get things like that. <clears throat> 
Yep. So I was talking about getting through February mm. um, with my commute to work, just feeling like I could use a bit better content and found myself looking into podcasts. Um, I started just to back up a little, I started journaling through the end of 2020 into my, my harder, I don't want to call it, uh, you know, a ground zero, but basically for this journey, it was my, my turning point, my ground zero. So when I got to journaling and beating myself up, putting all these things in this place, um, through January through February, it was kind of like a, just a place for me to just brain dump and beat myself up and not share. But when I started to get into podcasts and, and school of greatness and all of the self-help and development space, things that I didn't think I could do because of the background and the circles I have and the way I thought I was supposed to maintain, I was learning a lot more about habits and, and changing habits and timelines for lifestyle change and all these things. And, and this was huge for me because I wouldn't have picked this up anywhere else. It almost started this, um, you know, this version where I just couldn't get enough of that content. So when I was getting through February, it was, it was, you know, working on the 50 day mark and I learned about a hundred days. So as February neared an end, I was starting to feel better and I was starting to get rid of a lot of the things that generational that my dad or my upbringing brought different attitudes towards my kids and different uh, my patience level and I wasn't done by the end of February so 100 days seemed like the new goal for me so this whole time I'm keeping track on my calendar I'm circling the day every day that passed I could get to the 30 days of January and the 28 days of February and I was seeing this compound and I was seeing all these things so when I started to learn about 100 days I started to do so many other things like I was counting my days not drinking but then I was like oh I could try this 100 day thing and a few other things I didn't feel like I was brushing my teeth enough so every day I'd in the morning check mark and the night check mark that I did it the twice a day and I was seeing all these things counting up to this many days drinking water um, some version of exercise and uh, the 100 day mark I was like I'm I can't be done with this like I feel great my my patience level I'm not yelling at my kids I'm not doing the things that I did before so it became a challenge for me in this journaling to say, like, I've never been this many days since I was like 17 where I wasn't drinking. And how cool would it be to go an entire year? Like, I, I've, I'll, I'll never do this again. And at the time, I think it was a break for me and, and I'm still not drinking. But for the sake of what was my became my book and that part of the journey, it was still just a break. So how cool would it be to go an entire year without drinking alcohol and after that about that 100 day mark it was that was the new goal to go through all of 2021 365 days alcohol free and it was it was just getting to that point that kept me going it was that goal setting those goals and learning later that when you when you look to reframe a habit you need those small goals and small milestones and i wouldn't have learned if i did person that I used to be in the form of podcasts and, and books. Yeah, I do find it interesting because like this is the thing. What we tend to happen 
with most people, they will do the little steps or they'll set a goal and they won't do the little steps. It's not until you sort of combine both of those when like true success happens because like people are like, yes, I'm good. Like, I, like for example, I want to run a marathon. Now, like, okay, they'll do the training, but they might not set a date for the marathon or it's like, it's always going to be down the road, down the road. Or they, yeah. Or they won't do the training, they'll do the marathon and you you see the results of that. Uh, tears, <laughs> pain and grief. Uh, but yeah, but this is the thing. When, like, when you sort of like saw these little things happening, what would you say was the first sort of like mindset change you could either see or really pick up? You mentioned patience, but was there another thing? I think, I think there was there was a few things. Patience was was a big one, but just accepting that that we're all just trying to figure it out. And when I could see my kids getting you know, their impatience or, you know, certain small tasks would, they just get upset, um, you know, school or Mm -hmm. whatever they were doing. And I could see the things that I was picking up on. I could translate that through, Hey, what about, what about taking, let's go outside for a minute and play, and then we can come back to it. And, and a small version of what the things I was picking up on in these podcasts and these books translated to them. It was like, not only was I being more patient, but I was bringing something else. I was bringing the the thing that I didn't feel I had or that, that I wasn't allowing just by trying different things. Cause in the past, I, you know, not that I'd let them get upset, but I just wouldn't have had the tools to be able to translate it the way that, the, the way that I did. And by not drinking and becoming this different person and, and by, you know, being able to still like in my, in my book, I, I set myself some early rules. I still wanted to have a good time. I still wanted to be involved. I still, uh, I didn't want to go to the 0% mocktail option because I didn't want to just replace what I was doing with something similar because I felt that would send me back to the habit and routine that I had. So just being open and trying new things was, was uh, just as important as the patience with those things. It must be very interesting because, like, this is like, okay, we're all like, when you are drinking and everything like this, you're one, like, we are one person. That's our representative of who we are at that present time. Not like to go from that to not drinking, like, now this new representative, well, most probably your true representatives out there now mixing with other people who know your drinking side, but uh, not so much your sober side and the sort of mo- like motivations and like, yeah, basically social mixing might not necessarily work out. Did like, how was, like, was it, it's challenging for you, but how was it challenging for others around you? So it was, it was definitely challenging. My social circles were used to the version of the person I I was. Hmm. And I don't mean disrespect to, to addiction and, and that, but when in that moment they didn't understand that I was taking this break or that I was not 
drinking anymore. So it would have been easier if that had been mandated on me somehow through either programs or through, you know, legal, like, look, I'm fortunate, but if I had something behind me that said, I can't drink anymore because the people around me might've understood the reason more than they did. But there was constant pressure from my circles to be like, Oh, you know, you made it. January's done. And all oh, your hundred days, you're fine. And it was like for a while, no, the people around me didn't understand that this was just who I was now. I don't know how long I'm going to not drink for. And for now I'm content not going back. But at the moment, like I didn't know I was going to go the full year. I didn't know I was going to continue beyond that. It was just trying to figure it out in, in these small uh, goals, these small moments. So, um, a friend of mine he's getting married and he, I, he was in my wedding. And we drank a lot at my wedding, but he's getting married now. And he wanted me to be in his wedding and every function, um, you know, getting fitted for the suits and, and bachelor parties and all these things. Every time he said, you better drink at my wedding. It was fine that I wasn't at that moment, but he's like, you'd better drink at my wedding. And it was um, a lot of pressure for me because I didn't know that I, I, I was pretty sure I wasn't. I had, by the time I'd committed to doing the full year, his wedding fell within that year and I wasn't going to do it. But every function, you better drink at my wedding. And then different things would come up and he's like, oh, right. It's not, it's not new year's yet. So you can't have a drink. It was so much pressure from, from him and from other people. And until after that year, did they realize and, and start to come around and, and be more supportive? Like now I still have a lot of the same friends. Um, they, they will have 0% options because I've started to open up a little bit to have one every once in a while for those. Like that social lubricant, I think people feel awkward when you're not doing it. Um, another quick story, when I was, I was at a restaurant and we were ordering drinks and everyone around the table was ordering, you know, the biggest and, and brightest alcohol tequila things. And I wasn't drinking. I ordered a 0% whatever beer. And one of my friends felt like he needed to, to to explain it to the server oh he's just taking a break like well man i don't need that you're not helping me she doesn't care <laughs> it's just it was uh yeah it was it was funny just it, people don't know how to deal with it uh, in that moment because you're you're doing something different but eventually like they like i said my my circles they they came around they they get it i don't listen to the the stuff the wedding was really really difficult only because i felt and it was me i felt that i had to be there in that capacity because that's the way we used to be that was the upbringing i had and you buy you're buying your rounds and i still bought my rounds but like i just wasn't drinking i had to have something else so it was like and then at one time i went over to his house where we had some friends and i brought a bottle of whiskey I wasn't even drinking. I brought some soda waters or whatever I was doing as my substitute to try and get out of my habit routine. But I still brought a bottle over as a peace offering, so I didn't have to listen to them give me trouble. Mm. And it went. It worked. You know, who's going to give you a hard time when they're drinking their stuff? But like you, like you see, you are the ideal drinking buddy. <laughs> it's like, like <laughs> what? Excuse me. Wait. Oh, you're going to bring around a bowl? Thank you. Wait. Okay, we're in a bar. You're going to still do your rounds? Thank you. And someone who's sober enough to drive. Excellent. <laughs> like... Well, um, yes, on that note, though, uh, I didn't want 
not maybe not one of my rules, but I just didn't want to be that guy that's sitting in the corner, judging everybody, twisting my bottle of water around. So a lot of the times when we could, would go to these bachelor parties or go to these functions, I didn't drive. I paid my share of the cabs and paid like rode in the Ubers or whatever mm. we were doing because I just wanted to be one of the guys. I didn't want to be that person that's there because you know we used to be friends with them you know i still wanted to to play but just because i wasn't getting loaded didn't mean that i was different i just you know i just carried myself like i was i, I like i was drinking these zero percents or something or putting a you know drinking co uh pop or soda in in a glass like people don't care what you're drinking like we, that was me that was an internal thing I felt for a while because it wasn't beer or it wasn't whatever that I was not playing the game properly, but they, people around us don't care. You know, they, they want you involved, you know, but it, it doesn't matter what you're, what you're drinking or what you're consuming. Just, you know, that was in my head. That was what I did to myself. Yeah. What I tend to find people, you're right. People for the most part don't care, but this is the thing. Low key, they are watching and they are paying attention. They don't, it's like they might not be, they might not care about your day to day, but they are low key paying attention to what you're doing. And now, with regards to, with regards to getting off the alcohol, everything like this, it's like you're on this new voyage of discovery, this new journey of self improvement. And there are going to be people who, like, yeah, I'm like kind of watching you, like, one to either see you fail and go, oh, I see, told you, yeah, come back over here, give you a hug and like sit down. Welcome back. Yeah. Have you drink? Shut up. <laughs> it's like, don't, don't do that again. Other people who like two other people, which will be looking at going, if, if you can do it, Sean can do it. I can do it. And like they're like, they've got <clears throat> some like thing they're wrestling with. And you know what I mean? And, <clears throat> Oh, and the third type, the real bad type, the ones which want you to stay the way you are, because all it is, is they don't want their shortcomings highlighted on a sort of daily basis, because you are sort of striving to go ahead and move yourself forward. Because look, in earlier in this podcast, you mentioned you weighed 320 pounds. You don't look like you weigh 320 pounds no more. Am I right? No, that, that's right. Uh, I'm, I was down about 100 pounds in summer holidays. I'm, I'm about 85 pounds down from there. So um, 100 is my, my goal. That puts me about 225. And when I was 325, it was, uh, it was not comfortable. I had no energy for my kids. So I was mm -hmm. more irritable because of how I felt in that moment. And um it isn't uh it, it is it it can't think about i i couldn't think about losing the 100 pounds you have to think about losing just one pound right and losing one pound again and eventually those numbers get up there to a point and that's anything it's 100 days or so not drinking it's not the 100 days it's one day and and i know all the programs um a lot of the programs they focus on this because that's that's how you do it right you break it down but the, your examples of the kinds of people, I ran into all of that. And a lot of what kept me going to an earlier question is some of the people coming out of the woodwork that saw what I was doing, 
And in the early stages, when I wasn't talking about it because I couldn't have the attention on it because of how I felt about what I thought I should be doing. Um, once I started to get through that year and a friend was like, you know, how is this going? And I was like, I could write a book. And I'd maintain this journal the whole time about how I felt in these moments, what I did or didn't do, and the anxiety about the wedding and all like these feelings. That journal, by the end of that year, was like, I could... I could put this out there for my old self. I could put that out there for someone like me who was trying to find this in podcast form and in audiobook form for someone that was just looking to make a healthy change and dealing with the pressures and putting that out there and then exposing that to the people in my circles. I was finding people come out and be like, wow, this is, this is amazing. I need this. And, like just seeing some of the stuff I post on my socials and they're, they're telling me like even construction guys who I thought were maintaining that tough guy mentality beside me, were reaching out. Like you need to keep doing this because you don't even know who's watching and, and just having these people who I thought were the ones I was supposed to, to, to keep being tough around. were saying like, you need, like, this is great. Keep doing this and giving me those affirmations. And while I wasn't doing it for them, it was important knowing that there was other people doing it around me that saw, even if I was the example and they did it because of me, or if they just maintained because of certain things, like it, it was very empowering to, to have, have that come out. Yeah. Because like, this is the thing, when you put something positive out in the world, and I've said this before, you will send it out and it, where it goes and you might not get, any sort of feedback from it ever but every now and then you get a whisper like you mentioned just like yeah, yeah mm-hmm. doing it doing this but if you said something negative or like you put anything negative out in the world it comes back to you damn like immediately like times three times like times six and you're like yeah. yes uh you know about it and yeah it can lead to some oh Pretty hair-raising, like, situations online, yeah. Some mild abuse and maybe, like, yeah, so a cancellation possibility as well. In person, well, <laughs> let's know how to bob and weave, duck and move, and possibly know how to get your running shoes on. Quite That's right. Quick, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, with, like, with this, like, if when okay, stop, like, a not drinking for the year, I'm getting fitter, and now, look, you've been journaling. Now, with all the things you've got going on, look, being a, like, being a volunteer fireman for 20 years, like, yeah, being an electrician, like, doing, like, no alcohol for, like, yeah, for the whole year, being a father of three, okay, like, where did you sort of, like, go, hey, you know, the book? Because, like, it's one thing to put down the journal. It's another mm-hmm. thing to, like, put that into a book. It's not easy. <clears throat> no, it's it's definitely not. my And and it really it was just an expression. Like, I've used that expression before. Oh, I could write a book. Just because there's so much about that moment where mm-hmm. when my friend asked me, how's it going? Oh, I could write a book. Like, it was, like, just there had been so much to that point. And when it got to a point where I actually did, because I wasn't through the year, that was like 10 months, 11 months. So I still had a month or two left and didn't feel like I was 
ready to reflect because I wanted to get to that goal. But when I decided to do that and to look into getting the manuscript done and finding someone to help publish, and I, I self-published but hired to for editing and stuff, but accepting that vulnerability and putting it out there was a huge decision because I not usually, or I felt like I was more introverted and not wanting that attention. But the more people I talked to and the more common the situation appeared to me, that like it wasn't unique that I was the only one going through that. It, you know, a lot of the recipe was, was my version, but a lot of people were going through the same thing or, or of sorts. And to be a vulnerable person for the sake of someone else picking up a tactic or two or and I felt more comfortable being vulnerable of what some or reflecting on their own situation to say like I'm going to take this break and I started to host uh, some workshops at the local mental health center and just speaking about this this journey and about some of the tactics and ho having some exercises about decision making and consistency and, and habits and seeing how it was received was was huge for me and and having the book behind me to say this was me in my most vulnerable state this was when i didn't have any idea and felt like i couldn't ask for help and this is what i did to get through it was was something i could use to you know help someone else fix what they might want to fix if, if they if they could relate to what i was saying yeah i think sometimes with regards to today's society as much as we're all connected i think there is a number of people which are basically dealing with things alone because that's sort of like okay ah uh, i think Many a person goes, I've got lots of friends. I would say they've got more lots of acquaintances than like sort of true blue friends, which can help them through some of the toughest times. Mm -hmm. uh, so when it's a case of they see someone like yourself or other people out there in society being that sort of beacon of light, which they're trying to get things that they're trying to sort out in their own lives, that's where they get drawn to you. Like, uh, like I'm off to a light going, yes. I need this, I need that support. And I think sometimes it can be quite surprising how many people are out there like going, yeah, can I help? Like, can you, like, yeah, I like what you're doing. Yeah, I need help with this. I need help with that. And you, like, you go, well, yeah, what about your closest friends? Yeah. Yeah, they're the ones like, oh, you know, come on, you're fine, right? Like the, the, the way, the way uh, it was for me, but um, the other thing too is a, a lot of the times maybe we don't realize we're on that path or that we're that what we're doing isn't productive because it's all we knew to be true. Mm. I I don't think there was some examples that I had growing up and in you know the work faces that I had with construction and you're going every Friday night to drink with the the boys and you know you're not a somebody if you don't have the hangover stories month come Monday morning to to talk about how your weekend was and you know if, if I didn't know that i was not in a, a productive place because it's the only thing i knew these avenues and the, the things i started to follow and the things i started to read started to teach me that 
maybe what I was doing wasn't the right path. Maybe the example that I had set for me from growing up and from my circles wasn't the best example, but I didn't know it or wouldn't have known it if I didn't reach outside that for, for some more information. So being a person like yourself and all the, the content you put out, even it's, it's just being that image and that source for someone to say, this is happening to me too, or I can relate to that. And I didn't even realize that it wasn't productive. I didn't even realize that it was the wrong way. And I, and I've been able to translate a lot of that, like back to my kids, like yelling, who knew, right. It was what I had. I, it was, if we weren't yelling in my house growing up, like we weren't talking and obviously that's not productive. We're not going to get through to our kids. We're not going to get through to our spouses. If, we're just yelling all the time and upset all the time. It's, and uh, that's something I just had to figure out on my own. I would say a lot of it comes from we are so distracted in this sort of day and age. Uh, basically, it's like you've got so much going on. Like, yes, okay, trust that. I've got I've got one baby girl and that's distraction. And that, you know what I mean? That is like a handful to deal with on a regular basis. Where plus with work and then basically sort of general life things which are not necessarily the most important things before you know it you're like oh, okay the day's been long let me just sit down watch a little bit of tv distract switch off and i think that's the running game for a lot of people when people sort of like engage truly with their lives and stop being distracted that's when, like, yeah, they can start focusing on, like, new goals, tasks, taking care of themselves, get healthier, be more educated. It's just then. And when they get start bringing things together like that, it does affect not only their lives, but the people around them. Because, like, yeah, you know when you put a bad apple next to a good apple? It slowly takes down the good apple. But... When you start doing that healing process, rather than being that bad apple, everything around you, a large, like definitely in your closest circles, like your family, uh, tend to improve. I think that sort of is general, like generally the path of most things, like well, most people. It's just a case of they need to like just stop being distracted, which I feel you like, you know what I mean? Stop doing that and start to get focused. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and the, w the way that it's been able to transfer, um, like all the content I'm listening to, like John Gordon's energy bus, if uh, you're not familiar, my, my son, my middle child has like some big anxieties and, and there's some some things we're trying with him. But when I listen to this energy bus, the audiobook, and I know he's got a kid's version, which we bought for for him and read to him. Um, I, I brought home this this greatest golf shot. It was the part of this book where it's, you know, it doesn't matter how you are golfing. There's that one shot that brings you back. And we started to translate that at the dinner table at my house with my family, where we would talk about our favorite thing of the day. And these anxieties and, you know, these pressures and, and just being upset, it was like, but let's pick that one thing out. And in the beginning, it was difficult because I had to coach it along and say, it doesn't matter if, if there was something that made you smile today, let's talk about it. And the five of us would, would pick something. And, you know, some days are tough because you have the, the most miserable day, but in my own coaching back to that, like, Oh, that's one thing. So now like my kids 
speaking on 10 or 12 things and, and they, they list them off huge highlight now. And, and that's something that never would have happened in my old life. And, and, uh, just other other things like that where i'm learning these tactics and i'm able to bring them home and, and and be more more patient and and just not be masculine and tough and and hide from it where i used to like there was there was no way i would have listened to it enter a book like that and bring it home and have my kids start to do it mm-hmm. like this is being like with like yeah talking to kids and getting that sort of message over, helping them sort of like overcome some of the, let's just say, when like when we were growing up, it was physically tougher, it much more tougher when we were growing up physically. Mentally, it's tougher for kids today on certain things because they get bombarded with so much information. So like so much data, it's a case of where do you truly sit amongst this world? And plus like, yeah, if you're, if you were getting bullied, like back in the day, yeah, come free, like come free 15, free 30, you're out. And yeah, you get a good chunk of time to sort of like, rest, recover, like maybe talk it over with somebody. Not so much these days. It, it can go on. And when they leave school, again and again and again. And you, you know what I mean? So there is mental challenges there for which I would say it's tougher for kids these days. And like, yeah, sort of battling or taking on anxiety. Yeah, it's one of those things where if you're not sort of asking questions of yourself about, yeah, where your mental state is, it's a bit like uh, when you're on an aircraft, when they go, yeah, put on your face mask first, like you're like to get the oxygen like through so you can help others. Because if you're just like trying to put that mask on them and you haven't dealt with anything yourself, it's like you can never truly reach them. If you get what I mean. Yeah. Cause how are they going to absorb anything if, they don't see you doing it first like mm. you i had to be the example one i was a lot of the problem but to see me be the example and to now handle situations calmer and then to give them more um coaching into what to, to make a better decision or to do this thing at the dinner table and and it got to a point it's, it's at a point where if we have company over that anxious middle child, he, he wants to hear everyone's favorite thing. Like he will go around to the entire table and there's 30 people at a birthday party. Like he coaches this thing out and it's, it's been so uplifting for others. Like I know my wife has used that in her work meetings. She, she, at the end of the meeting, she's like, tell everybody, tell me your favorite thing, everybody favorite thing. And it was, it was such a cool moment for her to, to, to start to do some of that stuff too. And, and, Another note I thought about, uh, like a hangover period, something for me that I learned was, I know I always prided myself on being able to drink a lot or, you know, never be hungover and, you know, you, you not to have a headache. And and I think one thing that I, w- I forgot or wasn't aware of was the hangover doesn't end at the headache. For me, the hangover was, even though I was proud and celebrated, whatever, it was like the hangover was 
days and weeks after that incident or that drinking night because I was miserable and irritable and impatient and no energy and upset and all these things that all stemmed around that one night drinking or those couple nights. And I didn't realize that that extension of that hangover was, was there. It was just, maybe that was who I thought I was, but the clarity I got, even after that first couple of months to a hundred days of not drinking and not having those moments and finding that I can be more patient and I can work on these things. Um, I didn't realize how, uh, um, the two were so combined or so so close together yeah no i would say yeah yeah yeah, I, yeah. because like this is the thing when you go out drinking like this yeah even if you're like blessed with not being able to get a hangover or anything like that it's one of those things the sort of time and energy it sort of takes away from like not like not your day but your life with regards to like oh yeah <laughs> it's like i I've I've done all this drinking. I've done all of that. Mm. Have I had a like? Has it been constructive? Have I like? Have I learned or gained from it? You might go, yeah. Some people are like, you had a good time with your friends and stuff like this. But you can go right. Could have been doing something else. Could have went like. Could have went for a hike. Could have went to like somewhere else. We could have watched film. Could have just sat down and just talked about what was going on. But we went out, got drunk, and had like had a good time. Did you? And yeah, maybe yeah. There some things like further down, which should have been tackled a long time ago. And uh, so you know what I mean. You you might like you're poisoning your spirit in some regards. And I look, I say this hand on heart. Like look. You, you see me in my 20s and my 30s. Yes. Mm. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Yes, I would be hitting the town hard. And yes, like stumble, stagger, stumble, stagger. Wasn't like, yes, uh, a fairly frequent routine on many a weekend. But, you know, I mean, as time's gone by, alcohol's played less and less of a role in my life because I know what it sort of takes away from me trying to achieve certain things because that's the way it is there is a cost i don't get hangovers but there is a cost regardless i'm trying not to pay that like paying that cost for something else which might be positive in my life or lead me in a better direction that's where i'd like to invest my time effort energy at resources as a whole rather than sort of like oh, yeah i've had oh i've had a great night out did I? Not all the time, yeah. you know? There, there's definitely times I forgot. And, and I think for me, like, alcohol was such a, like, I would, you know, you start with the end in mind, so, but the alcohol was, was an automatic. So if I was camping, if I was going to a concert, it was like, how can the rest of the night be planned around this drinking? And, and I'd bring, usually camping in other places, I'd bring a lot more than I needed and it'd be like a mission to get through it. But, um, a lot of these moments because of habitual and routines and, and how alcohol was, was associated with these things. It was like learning how to ride a bike again in a lot of ways. How can I go to a live event or a live concert or, or go to a wedding or go to uh, go camping or any of the things I was used to doing with alcohol and start doing it without it. And, 
and a lot of that was just trial and error. You know, it wasn't a matter of bringing it just in case I wanted it because I wasn't doing it. I was committed to keeping track and, you know, getting to my hundred days and then the full year and beyond. But like putting something else in its place and bringing that with me camping or doing this at a concert or, or whatever. And once I, you know, found a few things that worked for me substituting or, or if I was camping, just having like a special mug, which I called my safety blanket because I could pour whatever I wanted in there and, and play the game by having this, the thing I'm sipping on like everybody else. And, and, like just getting through those things and learning that I don't need it in those environments to have a good time. And then realizing that it was a lot more fun to remember the night. It was a lot more fun to like, like I've been to a few concerts that like, I'm sure it was a great time, but I don't remember it. I had to look up it up on YouTube later the the concert from that show. Once somebody posted it just so I could re- try to remember the evening and you know, I didn't get there. Like it, it just, those moments, I'd, I'd much rather remember having a good time than feeling like garbage and not remembering and hoping I didn't do anything silly that, that embarrassed myself or hurt somebody. I hear you. I hear you. So with this newfound clarity, like, what, like, and well, from clarity and well this new sort of realm of discovery of motivation for yourself where would you like to take things because look you are doing a lot now but where would you like where would you like the direction of your journey to go down so right now my my book going dry my path overcoming habitual drinking I've taken that and I've I've got a going dry mindset where that's my my socials are all kind of based on that now. And it's not entirely about not drinking alcohol, even though that was something that was holding me back. Mm-hmm. That going dry mindset and what I'm trying to do is just encourage people to find what's been holding them back, if it's drinking or, you know, whatever. And just realizing that you can let that go. You can find new habits. You can find new routines. And maybe letting that thing go that's holding you back and that going dry mindset is is your better purpose, is your is is better for you. So so while it's therapy for me to continue and by posting the content and the videos and and continuously learning, it's my hope that my old self because all i can do is speak to who i used to be is listening and seeing that and finding that inspiration to say you know what if he's doing that i can do that too or you know what eating cookies every day isn't helping me maintain any kind of figure or and that's something i can get rid of and just challenging themselves to get rid of that thing um to to work on being a better person I see, I see. So with this, and like I'm I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to ask what your workout, like yeah, your whole sort of fitness regime is in a moment. But like yeah, with this and like yeah, that like that sort of uh going dry mindset at this present time, like what would you like 
when people actually ask you about it on a day-to-day basis, how, like, what would they, like, what would your old friend say changed about you compared to what you are today? How, like, I think my, um, like, cynicism and, and just negativity um, that I used to be is gone. I don't look for the negative in a situation. I'm looking for more productive and positive. Um, I think that's something that would be, be a big, big change. Um, <clears throat> I'm picking my battles now. Um, I'm speaking to 20 years on the fire department. I'm not looking for certain moments to just cause a problem um, by speaking up. It's, it's, it's being more strategic with, with, you know, um, offering advice or um, whatever changing policy. It's, it's, I think overall the, the things that I've let go and the, the extra patience and, and things that, that came immediate with it, it's definitely translating in other areas. And I think everybody else is picking up on that. And, and with work now, um, I'm in a more of a management role, um, one coming from the field and knowing, but, but taking those things and, and, and being more facilitating, like facilitating more to someone than, um, preaching is, is something I've picked up in this process and, and it's definitely helping. Yeah. Would you say it's helped you become a leader a lot more or to find what leadership might be to you? I think leadership to me is giving the people around us the tools or, or in, in inviting the tools to make them more successful. And in their success and in their advancement, you will succeed. I think, I think the leader that that empowers the people around them is more important than the leader that that searches that for themselves only. You're only as successful as as your team and and the people that you you are around. Yo, thank you. Now, yeah. So with this, now three hundred and twenty pounds. So like, yeah, two twenty five. How? How did you get? How did you get started on that? Um. Well, just like anything else I've worked on, and it, it was it was a lot. I didn't I didn't anticipate that I'd be able to get there, but that was where this journey started. Was was just needing to do things for me that were healthier to to be someone that lose lost that weight and learning like the habits and and James Clear Atomic Habits. Um. One thing that he, one question he said or said was, you need to ask yourself better questions. So instead of, um, I'm, I'm this 300 pound person, it's, you know, ask yourself, what would a, a healthy person do? Would a healthy person eat a box of donuts? Would a healthy person not go for a walk? So by asking myself better questions, I was, I was more uh, able to turn down the the snacks and and things and so on top of that uh, i started doing more research on fasting so i try to you know stop eating at a certain point in the evening and then do what i can to get to to lunchtime Uh, i seem to have been able to to confidently without 
starving myself because you know you have those hunger pains through your habits and routines but you think you're hungry but it's just your body's telling you you need it because you it's used to getting it so i stop eating you know by seven or eight o'clock at night and then not until hopefully noon the next day uh just water so so a form of fasting and then not beating myself up if i feel like it's nine o'clock and or it's the weekend and i'm having breakfast with my family then i'll do that if it's you know, there's a function at work and um, I'm not going to hold myself back. It's, you know, still participate, but then just do it the next day or so fasting, um, workout. I'm trying to build on this, but it's just making sure I do something every day. So uh, walking two kilometers is my current. I try to make sure I do that uh, anyways. And, and I, the thing I found with my, that exercise and that, that regime was, it was very hard for me to just even go for that walk and part of atomic habits don't stress about going for the walk just put your shoes on right get used to putting your shoes on get used to even just setting your clothes out or just drive to the gym you don't even have to go in the gym just, just park in the parking lot and then leave and then once you start these small things and once i started these small things i put my shoes on well now you have your shoes on or now you're, you're parked at the gym, why don't you go in and look around? So you start to go in and look around, and then you leave. And then eventually you're building up to a point where well, I'm already here, I'm already in the building, I'm already on the machine, I've already done 10 minutes, what's another 20 minutes? And, and you start building, and I've done that with everything that I try and do. I, I set a goal to do one sit-up every night. Uh, I wanted to do one sit-up. I've gone, I think I'm about 100 days actually, of 50 sit-ups every night before bed and it didn't start by doing the 50 i just needed to, to sit there in the position and do one and i've that's how i've been able to do it is you know fasting trying to eliminate as much sugar as i can and just piecing together some version of a workout based on what i can learn because i don't come from a very fitness background and and just just uh maintain it that way Mm. I like it I like it a lot because like this is the thing like you mentioned atomic habits good book very good book now what too many people fall into the trap of like they go yeah you know what I'm gonna break this and and they go out so like so gung-ho like full engine all all systems go and it's kind of like they're pulling against an elastic band or a bungee cord because they'll go so far They'll get eh, doesn't quite hit where they expect it to be because like with the realm of like getting back into shape, it never no, human body is a tricky thing because what happens one week, uh, yes, you'll lose a lot of weight and then your body adjusts and goes, <laughs> no, <laughs> it's like no, I've adjusted to this quote unquote new normal, sodja, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't go your way and they immediately get snapped back in their own routines. When it should be like, okay, should take a little file to that Bundy call, a little bit by a little bit, just like, and uh, move a little bit along, still finding a way, move a little bit along, still finding a way. So one day you got through the cord and it snaps and you're left in this sort of new realm and this new position of, okay, yeah, you started with one like sit up a day, mm -hmm. doing 50. 
on currently in day 100. Oh, well done to you, sir. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there are like there's a huge percentage of the population which you go one sit up, two sit ups, like 50 sit ups. No. <laughs> and, and it's and it's building to that, right? And and like keeping track on the calendar, like I said earlier, I, I worked on so many things and, and I'm still doing that. And I think I will always now. But all the circles and squares and check marks and boxes and all these things, all this little code I've got on my calendar, it's an absolute mess, right? If someone sees it and I don't feel like talking about it because it's right in the, 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 the garage where we walk through to, to come in out of the house, it's right there where I see it every single day. If I don't want to talk about it, then I can say whatever I want about those things. What are you working on? All oh, the squares or this and that or I don't know, whatever. Only I know what it means. So in my most vulnerable and, and, and unsure state in the beginning, especially, I didn't have to talk about what I was working on because no one knew. And now it's just I know what all these things are because I've changed what I'm working on. But um, a part of the. Uh, well, where was I? So keeping track of it. What you're working um, on. Um, so the. The sit-ups, doing doing one and 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 building on it. It was it was difficult to do one, and now there's days where I don't like I'm it's bedtime and I haven't done it, but I know I have to because I don't want to lose that day. I don't want to wake up tomorrow and realize that I was at day ninety nine or I was at whatever and didn't get it done. So. Uh, I'll go out even right before bedtime and, and, and do it. And the 50 sit-ups that it is now, um, just do one. <laughs> yeah. Like, one of, like the other secret I think people don't actually get told, like real change is boring and mundane. It's not exciting. It doesn't come like it doesn't. It's not like, oh, yeah, no, it's just, Yeah. Oh, I know you're right. I know. I know. What I was going to say. So, I uh, Ed Milet was talking about a pinata, and oh, yeah. this was this was a great analogy for me because, uh, to your comment, it doesn't happen at all in a hurry. And to think about a hundred pounds or whatever version of that is for someone, it's stressful. And yeah, you fall right off. You go back to do your lifestyle before because it didn't work for me. But just like that pinata, you don't know when it's going to break. And every hit, every swat that, that goes could be the one that does it, but you don't know until after. So a lot of what keeps me going and, and doing those sit-ups or going for that walk, getting that that uh, that tour in, is that pinata thought where this could be the hit that I take that makes the difference. This could be the night where I do these sit-ups before bed, even though I really don't want to, that I look back and say, that was the moment. And I translate that pinata theory to most of these things I'm working on because it's one more hit. Do that one more hit and maybe it breaks. Yes. It's just making sure you come back consistently and doing those hits. Um, yeah, because there were too many people which like, yeah, uh, consistency is one of the most powerful things in the universe. Like, you go how so like yeah you do consistent bad things because like it builds and builds and builds and yes the results of all your bad things will accumulate quite quickly 
like compound over a course of time. Yeah, and every now and then, you know, like you're doing bad things. Yes, something good will come out of it. But that's not the general rule of thumb. But also yeah. if you consistently do good things, like yes, working out, like yes, saving money. Yes, like reading books and everything like this. Yes, it will compound and compound and compound. And yeah, yeah, every now and then something bad will happen, but generally you'll get like good things come out of it. And I think people don't forget the power of consistency. Because look, you think about, okay, most people when they're not living their healthiest lives and like, yeah, it's a case of you don't realize it, but like on stealth mode, you've consistently done the wrong things. You've eaten the wrong foods. You've like just sort of like led a sedentary lifestyle when you could be out and about doing more things. But <laughs> you go, okay, you, you have this moment of clarity like sort of 10, 20 years down the line, man, you know, go look, have a good look at yourself and go, what the hell happened to me? You know? <laughs> yeah. And that was me realizing I was 320 pounds and, you know, not healthy and not sure how to fix it. Mm. And we think about the big picture. We're thinking about losing that hundred pounds or we think about reading a hundred books and, and all of those big milestones are massive and you can get there but we can't think about that that has to be maybe the end game but one at a time or a couple pages at a time or just put your shoes on yeah no it's simple when you say it like that (laughs) some people just like the execution they do like hey yeah so if i like if i was to say yeah you could be like you can achieve like one of three goals in the next five years. Which goal would you, like, which sort of goal is primary to you? I mentioned like, yeah, would you, where would you like your journey to go? Like go, and that can be fluffy, but without a goal, you cannot achieve like your true target or your dream. I, I think we have to have goals and we have to celebrate them. We have to, even for me, when I got to the hundred days in the full year, I didn't know what do you do to celebrate? You can't go have a drink, you know? And and it's like, it doesn't have to be stressful to find out how we celebrate. It can be anything, you know, going for that walk might be that new thing you want to do. But for me, my goals, the next five years, my, my biggest one, I think would just be to keep, keep going on this, keep building this. And, and, and I would like to get into doing more, public speaking about it i think there's there's an audience that i can reach out to that would be more interested in the workshops that i'm creating and and would uh would benefit from you know more of a of a workshop environment so i think in the next bit i'd like to build to a point where i'm doing more public event even if it's just a, a circle of six people or something it doesn't have to be big just i want to build more confidence to get doing that Hey, come on now. Like, yes, a small seed grow, like is planted and mighty redwoods grow. So, you know what I mean? It's, you have yep. to start somewhere, you know? So with regards to that, like getting out there, public speaking, like are you going to be like doing Toastmasters or just doing free gigs in the beginning? Or like, how do you think you're going to get there? 
I, I think these these events I'm doing with the mental health unit and just those workshops, um, sharing the story, the things that worked, and translating that into um, um, that version. Uh, I, the fire department that I've been on that long, I've been a trainer. So I've taken a lot of the facilitating courses and a lot of the getting your groups to, to find the answer you want them to find um, rather than read it to them because it's it's better to they'll learn it better if, if they were part of of getting to that point. So I think Toastmasters is definitely something I want to get into to build that that speaking capacity um, so that that's that's something that I that I've considered and uh, just just building on what what I've I've got as a foundation already with that firefighter training experience and with what I've done with this book and you know these podcasts and and the content that I create on my my own YouTube and my own social pages it's just I think taking that one step with that and building every day small parts and pieces the way that I, I talk about any other habits and the things I've been able to do hit that piñata a couple more times and eventually it'll break <laughs> I think uh, my one wish would be that I can give my kids the tools and the information that I didn't have or that I didn't feel that I had to make better decisions than what I made. I think I my wish would be if I, that I can help give get rid of the generational trauma that I, I might have behind me and give them a better chance at being better to themselves and to the people around them. Hey. Okay, okay. I shall see what I can do about that. Yeah, like might have to force them to go into more bike rides with dad and stuff like this. <laughs> While one's being drawn along in a small, like, yeah, <laughs> carriage. But that's another story. Yeah. Yeah. See what I can do. See what I can do. Ah, <laughs> Sean, I've got to say thank you for coming on today. Uh, technical issues aside and everything like that, it's been a delight talking to you. Uh, yeah, love to do it again in the future. Hey, never know. Face to face, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Thank you very much. Oh, no worries. No worries. Can you tell the lovely people out there how they can find you out on these interwebs? Okay. Uh, my I'm, my website, seanrobinson.ca, S-E-A-N-R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N.ca. Um, I'm on YouTube at Going Dry and Facebook, Going Dry. Uh, Instagram is going dot dry. Very, very common theme there. Uh, it's all linked on my website, uh, my email. There's a contact link there as well. And 
uh, LinkedIn, Sean Robinson on LinkedIn and not on uh, TikTok or anything yet, but uh, I keep picking away on these things. Maybe that'll happen. Excellent. Excellent. Ah, yes. Thank you, Sean. And I'd like to say thank you to you, my friends, my life warriors for sticking with us all the way to the end. Ah, please stay safe, stay well, be awesome, be excellent, be fantastic. Be all the positive bees you can be in this world and then some. And yes, stay dry. Oh, yeah. And we are...